Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Are you someone who struggles to be yourself at work or maybe to be yourself in your leadership role? If so, this podcast episode is specifically for you. And even if you're someone who feels relatively comfortable being yourself in your place of work or in your leadership role, you'll still gain some really good insights because not everyone on your team feels that way. And helping people to bring the best version of themselves to the work that they're doing proves to be something very valuable for helping your team to be as effective as as possible. We're going to get to a little bit more about our guest in just a second, but first, it's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is an international professional speaker and multiple award-winning author specialized in leadership, branding, and transformation. He's a three-time entrepreneur who's had 12 different professions and changed country 15 times. His core career stint of 16 years was spent as a top executive at L'Oreal, where he was a member of the Worldwide Executive Committee for the Professional Products Division. He's author of the award-winning World War II story, The Last Ring Home, as well as Future Proof and Artificial Empathy. His latest book is called You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. Here is Mentor Dial. Mentor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on your show, Josh. Great to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? I am. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? A friend of mine, Sam Via, told me, and I borrowed it from him. Change is for sure. Growth is the option. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... Responsible, courageous, and by example. That's kind of two words. But and if I had one word, if I, you only limited me to one word, the way I would answer it is you lead you. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Do you know yourself deeply? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? The answer to this one, Josh, is is really contextually important. It's a book by an English journalist called Johan Hari, and it's called Lost Connections. I think it's all about reconnecting with yourself, with others, nature, and what's important in life. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I would want them to spend time thinking about who they are and what's important. 
And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Why? It's a much harder question, really, for me. But I think you need to really understand why you're doing things and and dig in on why it's important to you, which means you have to know who you are. Well, Mentor, we are here today to talk about your new recently released book, You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. I would love to hear a little bit about the book. What got you started on this focus of the importance of you being you and the impact you'd like to see through this book? Well, the journey started a long time ago when I I discovered that really I, I, I was living two lives, the the life at work with a tie and then the life after work with a tie die. And I would sort of rip off my tie and, and go and have a good old time wearing my tie dye. And then I would in the morning shower, shave, put on the tie and you, you wouldn't recognize the other person. And it just felt for me that I was really wasting energy by having these two lives and it really felt more important to find ways for having communion between them, not complete overlap, but what is the thing that is common to both existences, if you will. And and that was how it got me started on the journey. Of course, you need to be practical about this. You need to get your job, depends on the context and the governance you're operating within. But that was what really started me in the journey. And then afterwards, I I feel like today we have so much burnout, a lot of people doing so many things, but not accomplishing what they want and certainly not feeling satisfied. For me, the answer is finding ways to make a stronger overlap between your professional self and your personal self, which means bringing in your values, your maybe your sense of humor, your politics potentially into work so that that you're not having to take off the tie-dye to wear the tie. So one of the things that you focus on in this book is how being yourself makes you a better leader. What is the connection between being yourself and better leadership? Is it just that the more the more you are who you are, the more effectively you lead? In part, probably the, the strongest insight is the more you know what your weaknesses are, where your imperfections are, you're less about trying to cover them up, but embracing them. Because when you're covering them up, you might end up doing things that are not effective, not uh, useful, and, and possibly putting down people because you're, you're trying to show position, you know, positionally that you're stronger or more important than they are. Whereas you actually you have a weakness, why not accept it, embrace it, even tell people about it, and operate accordingly. And it's when you're more at ease with your full self, where you know what your weaknesses are, your blind spots, requires deep self-awareness, then you can realize when you're getting hot under the skin or when your heart beats beating and you're getting irritated or your amygdala is going off and some fear factor is driving you to act in a way that's not tolerable or nice. Once you sort of lean into who you are better, then you're going to be more calm and hopefully operate and lead better. So you mentioned some of the reasons that people might be afraid to show who they are or admit who they are when they're in a working environment or when they're leading. What are some of the main barriers? Is it, is it just fear? Are there other things that keep people from being themselves in their place of work? 
No, there will, of course, there are many things, Josh. And it's so hard sometimes to be, let's say, absolute in these types of situations because if you're the entrepreneur and you're a one-person company, it's very different than you working as a middle manager in a huge multinational organization. But in any event, you need to take responsibility for the fact that you're in this culture and you need to operate within that. And are you prepared to make the sacrifices to your personality in order to get promoted or are you going to stand up find a backbone and try to change the way you are, at least with your team. But things like fear, I mean, fear of rejection, fear of being put down, fear of not getting the promotion, all these things are operating on us as we go into a business. And it, and it leads us away from who we are because we're trying to placate other people. We're trying to satisfy other roles. And, and if you haven't done the hard work to figure out who you are, it's easy to get blown off course and just follow whatever is happening. For example, you get an offer to to work in another great company. Hey, listen, Josh, I'm going to give you another another job, big pay rise. It's really exciting, big responsibilities. And you say, sure. You go in there and the environment is horrible. The culture is miserable. And, and you're like, oh, well, I, this is what I want to do. This is important. It's my title. My ego and reputation is, is in play. I need to make this work. I'm prepared to sacrifice who I am in order to make this work. So you have to ask yourself some tough questions within that if you're prepared to pay the price to be the person you want to be. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because that was going to be the next question that I asked. And that is, you know, if you haven't done the hard work of knowing who you are, which is what you've just said, then you you aren't going to be able to make the best choices or to lead as effectively. The question kind of becomes, especially for those who are listening to this now who are wondering, who am I? The question is, what do you begin doing to go about that process of really understanding who you are so that you can lead from a firmer foundation? Well, it's a it's a fun question, Josh, and it obviously it's it's somewhat more easy at some level when you're older, like me. But even people my age, fifty six, they may or may not have a better idea of it. When you're really young, you don't have a you don't have the full spectrum of choices. You don't know them all yet, and so you're still in, in a curious mode, experimenting, trying stuff out. So it's normal when you're really young, you don't, don't know it. And, and by the way, you may never know. But in any event, by the way, you will certainly never have 100% knowledge. So know that it's always vague and it's still somehow a journey all the time. But the, the way I like to suggest it is to consider who you want to be in the future. The point here is that, you know, you might have a background, you might have a history, you might have done some things, maybe you're not even proud of them. And these can contaminate your vision of who you are. So what you look at is try to create some crystal clear vision of the person you want to be. If that becomes clear to you, then there's a chance that you can become that person. If it's a vague version of you. So I want to be, Josh, I really, you know, for me in the future, I really want to be, I want to be happy and I want to be healthy. That's really important for me to be in great shape and and uh, well, I'd like to be wealthy because I'd like successful. I'd like to have a family. All right, stop. That kind of carries, let's say, 98% of people. So the question then becomes, what is a more precise vision of you that you want to be? Who do you imagine yourself to be, Josh, like in 20 years' time? Where are you sitting? Who are you surrounded by? And what are they saying about you? Not about what you did but about who you are. And if you can make that exercise, spend considerable time about it, know that it's never going to be perfect, but you keep on 
working the words around that to make that clearer to you, that it makes sense to you at least, then you can start to crystallize the person you want to be and get on that journey. And again, key point is it's really about who you are, not what you do. And then you have to make choices about along the way, of course, because you, you know, it's not, just words on a paper don't make the man you, you or the woman. You need to do stuff in order to make that come alive. But that's the next step. Could you give us some examples from your life of, of how you've continued down a, a path, continued toward a vision, even though circumstances or situations in your life might change? For me, uh, the fact is that it, would, it has moved because at the time when I started doing this work on Minter, it was 2001, and I was in the middle of the 16 years that I worked at L'Oreal. I was running a company, Redkin Worldwide. We were 40 countries, $300 million or so. And there I was running, selling shampoos to hairdressers. And we had this great mission. I thought I was really enjoying the work. But I hadn't tapped into why it was important to me at a, at a deeper level. And, and so the process that I went through was to figure out what was important to me and how working at L'Oreal and specifically at that time running Redken would be corresponding and overlapping with who I was as an individual, the guy who wore that tie-dye. And it was not at all like an overnight experience, but it certainly was stimulated by the moment where I looked outside my office window and I saw the first explosion in the Northern Tower. Then I saw, I watched the airplane fly all the way down and into the South Tower on the September 11th. And at that point, I'm like, uh-huh, right, this, now I need to step change. Again, it didn't happen overnight, but it made it so much more clear that I had to lean into it. And I still made mistakes. I stayed at L'Oreal for another eight years. And very many great things happened during that time. But more and more, I started chiseling this thing and getting it closer to what I want to do. And again, even today, I'm still not doing 100% of my day around this, but I'm certainly so much closer to making sure every day I'm doing something that corresponds to who I want to be. One of the things you mentioned just a minute ago is this idea of core values. What would you recommend to people who would like to get more clarity on what their personal core values are? So it's, it's sometimes a very abstract idea. And the way I, I go about it, there are roughly 75 values out there. And the process is one of self-introspection and a lot of work. And so you go down and you say, what are your top 10 values? And uh, you cut them out because basically 75 wonderful values and each one of them seems, you know, generally, you know, integrity, honesty, family, you know, <laughs> how could you not want those ones as well? And then once you got to 10, then you do the work and you go from 10 and you end up down at three. And then when those three, you, you're really thinking those are the really the three big ones, then what you need to do is express them as behaviors. So the words aren't just a word. You can sort of visualize them through specific types of behaviors that make that value come alive. And that's the exercise that I recommend people do around about their personal values. Now, when it comes to a, a team, there are plenty of things to 
probably be thinking about if you not only want to make sure that you are being yourself, but you also want to make sure that your entire team feels comfortable being themselves. What would be some recommendations that you would give to leaders to create a culture where this is welcomed and encouraged? And then also, what would be some some steps that leaders could begin taking their teams through in order to help each person in their organization begin to identify some of these things about who they are and who they need to be to operate effectively and to lead well in their organization. Chris, there's the recruitment component to this. So depending on where you are as a leader, if you're starting and you can choose, it's one thing, and therefore you can build that into the recruitment process. But let's just say you're overtaking a new team, so you're, you're, you're having to deal with an installed base. So the things that you need to do are to start by sharing your story and express it with personal stories that talk to your values and also talk to your mistakes and and your imperfections. And then that shows that you are being real about who you are. You're still working at it. Like I'm trying to be with you, Josh. I'm trying to tell you how I didn't exactly, I wasn't like this rigid on on it the whole time perfectly. I had to move around. I had to learn to adapt and and finally, I figured it out, and I, and I have a north, which I can very easily explain now, but it's 56, and at that time, I was 37 years old. So it's been a journey since then that I really leaned into this whole process. So you need to share stories, show, talk about what your values are, and, and then little by little, that Lisa explains to your team that they're allowed to talk about these things as well. Reality is, though, once you're in an installed base like that, you obviously don't have everybody having the same values, right? The question then becomes, if you say, listen, you guys need to spend some time thinking about yourself, we can even offer some coaching or advice, life coaches, and do that kind of wonderful type of work. But then the thing is linking that to what you're doing at work. And and while I certainly don't subscribe to having 100% overlap, Finding each person's ability to link into how my values resonate with or are coordinated with at least some of the values at work. Because thinking about perfection is a bad idea. Thinking about 100% overlap is, is, is you know unrealistic. So it's a long process, um, but you basically have to start by sharing the stories yourself and little by little encouraging people to do it. And then you can bring in mechanisms and help to have people do it. Because by the way, I mean, I got help. Uh, a guy called Clement Boyer, wonderful man, um, who was gave me tough love and helped me carve out a mission. And we adapted it. First of all, by the way, I did it in French and then I translated it into English. And the words continued to evolve. So I was like, that word doesn't really feel the right word for me. And then, or the values, the same idea and the actions to, to support the values. And and so that's the journey that I've been on. And, and it's a, it is a journey, by the way. But if you can be real with your team, that's the best example that you need to be. Any recommendations for when you are leading your team and you have people that aren't really open to this idea of this self-work or understanding themselves better? Any recommendations for how to encourage this and continue encouraging it besides just sharing your own experiences and modeling it? It sort of depends what you're trying to do, Josh, because you can, for example, oftentimes in big companies, you you're assigned a job and you have a three-year mission and you're a manager and then you get promoted on and move along. And and if that's what you're about, then, then it's not quite as important to have that 100% success with everyone in your team 
you're not there to, to change the entire world. You're a little bit more on your journey and what you're trying to do for the company and you're not worried about the other people. Otherwise, if you are worried about other people and that is of concern for you and interest, well, then what you need to do is figure out if they're a part of the future of this team. And then once, if they can feel that they are a legitimate contributor and part of the team, then maybe they can open up to the idea of why they feel they're a legitimate contributor to the team. And how do, how do they see themselves as a participant in this journey? And little by little, they, they're basically the, the, the people who aren't willing to do this typically have some other issues that include being fearful, worried about being vulnerable in front of other people. And, and these are very understandable. So obviously you don't want to violently make them do things that will have you know, worse repercussions down the road. So it's a, you have to be sensible, sensitive to the way people are and not because I do it, that's the best way or not that I do it, you have to do it. And you have to adapt your message and the way you deal with the different people in your team. I mean, it depends how big a team you have, right? I had maybe uh, there were 2,000 people or so working for Redkin. So <laughs> I certainly didn't know everybody and didn't know to what extent it was drilled down into all the pieces of the organization. But we did have it within our team. And one of the key points was in our senior executive team. Or do you want to be part of the future of this organization? And if you do, this is, the, this is what the rules of engagement are. And, and part of that was learning to be yourself within the organization. Well, Mentor, I really appreciate you sharing on today's podcast. And before we finish up the interview, I'd love to hear any final thoughts that you have, whether it's something that you'd like to reiterate from our conversation or something that we haven't maybe had a chance to talk about yet that you think would be really important for the listeners to hear. Yeah, I think energy is a big word, especially in today's context. How are you managing your energy? And I was brought up in this mode where you're the captain of the team as the leader. You're the person who's going to be the motivator. Hey, rah, rah, hey Josh, we've got to do it. Come on, you can do it, dude, you know? And, and so you're injecting all this energy and, and motivation into what the team is trying to do. And I, of course, you need to be positive and, and you know, drive the vision and all that. Yet, I think, A, the idea that you as a leader need to be injecting all the energy means that it needs to come from you, in which case there's a big risk that at one point you'll run out of energy yourself. It's not because that's what you're supposed to do, that you actually have an infinite amount of energy. And as you get older, Josh, by the way, it doesn't always come naturally. Hmm. So taking care of your energy and rethinking that you're not necessarily there to energize everybody. What you are there to do is help them grow and help them to tap into their own discretionary energy. And this is all the more important when we're working remotely, where you don't have the opportunity to sort of tap someone on the shoulder all the time. Hey, Josh, come on, go to, come on, you dude. We don't have these opportunities, especially today. So you need to find ways to help each other figure out what's going to drive them, what's going to let them jump out of bed and say, I'm so excited to do what I got to do. And that's a whole process. But the key to that point, of course, is figuring out who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Well, Mentor, if people have enjoyed what they've heard from you today, where would you like for them to go to find out more about you, your book, and the work that you're doing? Well, Josh, first of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. Enjoy the questions. And um, so I, I've been given this gift of a particularly weird name, which Google loves. That's to say that I'm the only one. Minterdial.com is where I write. I have a podcast under the name Minter Dialogue, where I talk about leadership and branding. And of course, I have a few books. 
that are out on various e-tailers, including bookshop.org and Amazon, naturally. And uh, the final thing I'd like to talk about, and you mentioned at the very top of the show, which is The Last Ring Home, which is a, uh, it's a film about my family. It's a film about my grandfather in particular, who was a World War II U.S. Navy officer who was killed as a prisoner of war. And, and through that, I, I really lent into, A, who I was, and I felt what's important. And if people are looking for some kind of timeless piece of motivation and figuring out what is important, it's a story about love, courage, and honor, and uh, with deepest respect to the generation that gave so much for us. I, I, I continue to tip my hat and, and, and thank my stars how lucky we are today so if anyone feels like they need a little chipper, a little experience, you can either read the book, The Lost Ring Home, or see the film. It's out on various VOD platforms like iTunes and YouTube, History Hit TV, if you don't know that one. Oh, there you go. All right, Mentor, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, Josh. Thanks. Once again, if you'd like to find out more about Mentor and his work, you can go to his website at mentordial.com. That's going to be linked in the show notes below, along with some other ways for you to interact with Mentor. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first key takeaway is this. The more you know your weaknesses, the more you embrace them rather than seek to cover them up. You're more at ease with yourself, and so you're not trying to hide who you are from other people, but you embrace who you are. Always looking to improve, obviously, but you're not trying to hide who you are from other people. The second key takeaway is to create a crystal clear vision of who you want to be in the future based on, and this is important, based on who you are, not based on what you do. And the final key takeaway is this, manage your energy well. Don't be the only person injecting energy into your team, especially as the leader. Don't be the only person injecting energy into your team, but help your team tap into their own discretionary energy. Now, if you've listened to this show for long enough, you're probably expecting me at this point in the show to encourage you to sign up for the leadership action list, which is a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership at leadershipactionlist.com. And you wouldn't be entirely wrong, but the thing that I'd really like for you to do this week, if you've listened this far into the show, is to either subscribe or to follow this podcast wherever you're listening to it. So if you're an Apple podcast, go ahead and subscribe. If you're on Spotify or somewhere else, go ahead and follow this show. If you do that, I'd really appreciate it if you found that this show is helpful to you in your leadership development. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. 
When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, Business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.